This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. You're listening to Hear Us Say with Renisha on Otago Access Radio at 105.4 FM Dunedin. Hope you're doing all well. Um, welcome to another episode of Hear Us Say with Renisha, myself. Um, I hope lockdown is lifted by now. If it's not, then good luck and stay safe. But <laughs> I hope I hope you're keeping well um, and taking care of yourself, um, regardless of the situation we are in currently. Um, for today's episode, I have the very lovely Sarah. Sarah joining in with me today. I'm going to pass on... Um, the mic, I guess, the um, <laughs> the imaginary mic to Sarah to introduce herself and then we'll kick right into the um, content for today's show. <laughs> Thank you, Renisha. Kia ora koutou. Ko Serafine Williams toku ingoa no tamaki makaurau ahau. So I'm from Auckland, but I'm down here in Dunedin studying um, medicine at the University of Otago. And my full name is Seraphine Williams, and I met Renisha last year during our studies, and here we are today. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. So as you heard, Sarah's doing medicine, um, dream that we all had <laughs> to pursue, but changes came through, um, and I must say healthy changes. Um, but um, it's really lovely to have Sarah, and like she has mentioned, I, I think she has been in this um shoe of my big sister especially at the time when I was going through the change of you know transitioning from first year house I to polls I remember giving a couple of calls so she has been that mentor for me so it's really really lovely to have her join me today for the episode um so right before um starting to record Sarah and I sat down and went through some of the questions from the mosaic cards exploring what are good ideas or what are good questions to go through. Um, just to remind that um, our content is based on the mosaic cards developed by Arataohi um, in collaboration with the Princess Trust. So what they do is um, they want to bridge social cohesion and for that they have developed mosaic cards um, that focus on personal, interpersonal and societal level um, to see how conversa- how opinions actually turn into conversations and those conversation um, shape the way Aotearoa or New Zealand looks like. So for the very first question I have here, what is or was an opinion that challenges you? Yeah, that's a good question. And I think one of the opinions that did challenge me uh, earlier on this year was I couldn't do it with people. Um, I've come across a few people in school and also throughout um, sports, i.e. volleyball, um, who have just said that, you know, they can't do it because of several reasons. And one of the reasons why I struggle with that is because I can see where they're coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can see it because I've also experienced similar things. Mm-hmm. But I've managed to to not succumb to the pressure and get through it. Um, But part of that is the fact that we are all different people. So you can be exposed to the same pressures or you can go through the same experiences 
but Mm -hmm. you won't respond in the same way depending on your background and depending on your own personality and your own characteristics and Mm. although challenging when you hear it right because you're trying like they ask you for guidance you're trying to provide it and then you're trying to guide each other through it but at the end of the day you've got to conclude that not everybody can do the same work as you Mm -hmm. Um, and if people say they can't do it they can't do it even though you think they can Um, and maybe they can but in their own time yep yep so do you reckon that's the narrative about setting boundaries and respecting where people's boundaries are? Um, do, you, do you reckon that's the case in the scenario? Yes, it's about learning truly where they are and where they come from and understanding yourself yeah. uh, and knowing that when you feel offended by something mm. or when I, when I felt challenged by that thought, I have to reflect back on my background and why I'm I'm the way I am now. Um, mm. You know, I come from a very um, hardy family. My both my parents are from Samoa, and they migrated here and they worked very hard. And so, to you know, put food on the table for us kids, for us to get a proper education in Auckland, mm-hmm. um, and for me to grow up knowing that I'll go home and there's dinner, I'll go home and there's a home, um, yeah. there's a house, there's power. And so even at, even at times, though, when we didn't have those things, we all worked hard to make sure that we had that. Yeah. Um, and so I have to remember that the situation that I was in is different and not everybody could do that, yeah. even though it was a struggle, but not everybody can struggle as much as you can and still come out all right. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I think whenever I think of this question, for me it always has been what about what's about outside but right now what you just said um highlights for me as well and I resonated the fact that within my family you know there's diversity how my dad has worked so hard to provide food on the table and I sort of have picked up on those traits so working hard you know having a full schedule those are the things for me and when people tell me that I can't do something that Mm -hmm. challenges me to do it even more Mm -hmm. um but while I had that expectation on myself, I kind of inflicted that on my um, sister as well growing up. So I pushed her boundaries to a point probably that now that I've, I'm growing up, I realized was not the best to do so. So I acknowledge that, um, that what you just said um, resonates with me as well. And um, if I talk about outside of how situational in your community and your surrounding, I think people who have um, strong opinion without any reason is an opinion that challenges me to no core. Like mm-hmm. you want to, if you want to have a conversation with them discussing why they have a, um, they have a different opinion to yourself. I think um, the whole fight goes in vain. The whole conversation goes in vain when they say just because I can, or just because I want to have an opinion. Um, for me, that's relevant. You know, opinions are relevant. Everyone should have their own opinion um, backed. But I think opinions need to be informed opinions um, and not just based on whatever you see around yourself um, and you think necessarily is the right opinion to have. So I think that's the idea that has always challenged me. But then again, that um, that setting boundary that even though it's something that challenges me personally, shouldn't be the reason why I won't be able to have a conversation with the um, person regardless of that um, challenge. So yeah, that mm. that 
thank you for bringing that perspective. Like I, I probably never would have thought it of that in that way. So thank you for that. No, thank you. Oh, oh, wow. <laughs> oh, I learned something. Um, uh, okay, so the second question I have on the personal level about mapping opinions, um, when have you changed your mind about something that you were passionate about? Um, and then, you know, within that, we have two sub-questions that I want to highlight is that what or who influenced you to support this change? So something you're passionate about and suddenly let's actually unpack what are your passions? What are you passionate about? And then we'll go from there. Yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> My passions, I think, is learning. I know that's a big passion of mine yep. is learning. Um, that's probably the reason why I came down to Dunedin to do what I do now yep. because I knew the career would keep me engaged and I won't get bored. Um, and so learning is a great passion of mine. Um, what else is a great passion of mine? I definitely believe family. Mm-hmm. Passion of mine being together with my whanau. Um, You know, a lot of my decisions in life have been general or like catered around them and their wellness, even though I don't admit it, like to be mm-hmm. honest. I don't like to admit it. I don't like oh, whatever. I don't do my decisions based on that, but I do low key. Um, it's just something I keep to myself. But now whoever's listening to this would know. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, what are my other passions? Um, yeah. Learning and family are probably the biggest ones and fun. Like having, to be honest, it might not be a passion to people, but I like to have fun to be like why not have a passion that you can extend into every other part of your life yeah. <laughs> probably a few, but it's all right <laughs> yeah I think fun fun is a very relevant passion to have because it reflects to some point at least for me um you know my well-being um my self-care time so passion mm-hmm. fun is definitely a passion um for me at least um has like these are the passions that you talk about that you currently or hold dear to yourself, but mm-hmm. in the past or um, ever in your lifetime or in your journey of life, have you ever had a strong opinion about something or a passion towards something that was changed um, over time or immediately after someone in your life um, educated you or like gave the opinion about it to you? Yeah, I'm trying to think. Um, oh, that's a good question. Yeah. Um, and going back to my passions, right? Yeah. Um, I don't think I've had anybody m- make any comments to me where I would reconsider what my passions are. Mm-hmm. I think the modality changed. Yeah. A bit. So the way I I express learning and the way I express fun. Um, and the way I interact with my family changes, but mm-hmm. the passion is still there. So probably their opinion, right, or their or the comments that we had and the discussion that we had um, moderated the way those passions are are like are manifested. Mm-hmm. Um, I engage with them and the way interact with them, but not necessarily diminish my relationship with it. Right. 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 Again, again, that's a very unique perspective because, you know, whenever I ask this question to anyone, their response would be, no, my passion is something that I hold close, so I have not changed it 
but then I'm pretty sure as you grow in the journey of life, it doesn't remain the same either. Um, you either mature with it or, um, or either, you know, you, you form a opinion that's a little bit different or has developed over the time that you have engaged with the passion. You know, for me mm-hmm. personally, forced marriage has been my passion. And while it continues to be my passion, you know, to advocate um, against unwanted marriage that our young girls face, especially from ethnic communities, um, rather than get rather than just getting on the street um, and marching. Now that passion has changed into making sure that I get into government so I can implement and research policies that avoid from situations like forced marriage and unwanted marriage from mm. happening to begin with. So, you know, while I still hold that passion really, really close to myself, um, it has developed over the time of how I want it to, um, how I want to manifest it um, to my people, to the to the girls who are um, getting affected by it still. So yeah, yeah, that was that was a really nice way to put that in, I believe. I totally understand what you mean because I had a similar experience, right? Um, before coming here, yeah, when I travelled overseas, and then I realised, oh, my passion is learning. But in that learning, I can do other things. I can go travel. I can learn new languages. I can teach other people and I can learn from them. Yeah. Um, this was in 2019 when I was traveling Japan and also Australia. Um, and I realized, I was like, oh, my God, I really want to do this. I want to come and teach English here. I will mm-hmm. learn um, the language here. Um, and I can learn more about other people's cultures because being in a different city, being in a and being in a um, place where the language is not yours really humbles you and that's something that I think was really important when I went Mm -hmm. and so I was really keen on wanting to learn more and I found that fun so you know they all interact with each other right I well my short time there created the sense of community so there was this family there that I had I like what built within this tiny period of time Mm -hmm. um but then when I came back or when I was there, I got the I got the email saying that I'm I was in the medical school now and that I just needed to accept my offer. And so when I returned, I was like, oh well, I can't do it now. Um, because now my the the offer to come and study medicine here was not to do with just me, but it's mm-hmm. now to do with my family as well. Mm-hmm. And so I had to select which pathway to express my passion. I had to pick for the best outcome whether it was for my own you know sense of learning and fun at the end of it or whether it was my also my sense of learning coming here to Dunedin but Mm -hmm. also the outcome be the betterment of my entire family Um, and so I selected the latter and I thought you know that'll be the best pathway forward for everyone and I also think it'll be a good pathway forward for others because this this entire thing about leadership in the community having people particularly women of pacific descent in um, leadership roles which in our society are doctors are lawyers are these people who hold such high priv- like p- privilege and potential in society um, yeah. is important and so I thought well I've been given this privilege um shouldn't be a privilege to be honest because they should be really grateful to have pacific and maori representatives inside their courses because if anything they're the ones who are who should be humbled by the fact that um, we have pe- our people inside those um, yeah. programs 
but I thought, you know, there's a widespread, a bigger um, purpose here, and I think it's important that we take it on. And so, yeah, that's why I decided to come down overall. Wow. Wow, that's so beautiful. I, I just love the way you summed it up. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I was just like I was just so into listening to what you were saying. Um I think if I just come back to the question real quick, um, mm. you know, in terms of who influenced, I remember when I was in year 13, um it feels like a long time back now, but when I was in year 13 <laughs> <laughs> You've been out for so long. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. I was in year 13, you know, and I was try- I was doing my very best to get into um, first year health side down here so I can pursue a medicine degree. But my um, biology teacher humbled me. Um, he was known to be the most strict um, and we didn't like him. You know, that biology, that kind of narrative, high school kid with their teachers kind of thing. And like the whole class didn't really like him. But what he said one day to me, um, I still it's still stuck in my head and I think if it wasn't for him saying that then I would have had issues in making the decision of changing my degree when I did it Mm. Uh, you know and when he asked um, the whole class that going to university from a lower day south school to some point even though it shouldn't be um, it's a privilege it's a privilege because a lot of people in our community still don't make it there we get stuck in trades and while there's nothing wrong with um, trades that that next step into tertiary education is always undermined in our um, Pacific migrant um, refugee communities so he um, asked me if you get into um, university if med doesn't work out with work out for you what are you going to do next Hmm. Um, and I because I was scared that I wouldn't make it into me, I never thought of that. So I always ignored. It was always working hard, hard, and never getting like lower grades. So I do not not make it into me. That kind mm-hmm. of scenario. So when he asked that question, it really humbled me. And you know, my response because I didn't really like it I was like because I want to help people. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they typically say, isn't it? <laughs> I don't think three quarters of the class said the same thing, mm. right? Because I want to help people. And then he said, you do know we need more people in government. We need our people in, um, you know, um, healthcare systems. We mm. need our people into youth sector. We need our people into law. These are all ways where you input and help people. Mm-hmm. just because the society has told you that the narrative of helping people is by being a doctor um it's not true and you know I am your biology teacher but I do want to say that you know you all have different potentials um and keep that in mind when you don't get into med so he kind of knew that a lot of us won't mm-hmm. um get into med um and I don't think so anyone from us in that class got into med but the the message was that there's more to us than just making into a, a professional pathway. So I think while it didn't really change much um, in terms of the logistical logistical part of my life, it did influence in terms of when I decided to change my degree. So, yeah, I think, you know, when you were explaining the situation with, um, with um, teaching a different language versus coming back and then, you know, mm. 
um, giving back to the community on a larger scale while also um, taking care of your family. I think that reflected for me as well to like, I think it resonated to some point and I just did that. So yeah, thank you for sharing that. Amazing. <laughs> um, the last question on the personal level we have here is, how do you feel when you hear people speaking another language? See, I love it. Yes. I just, I, um, I love it when people speak their language. I do it all the time. Mm. I speak Samoan to all my friends who identify as either Samoan, Samoan, um, multicultural so you know there's Samoan Afrikaans, Samoan Italian, Samoan Fijian, Samoan Togelant, Samoan Balangi however I speak Samoan to all of them um, even though the language might not be acquired for them and so because I do it I feel so comfortable when other people feel comfortable talking the language and I think it's quite nice right when you're sitting there and you can hear two people who are from the same background and they're able to engage in their own language in a space or in a totally completely different country where um, their parents had migrated here or they did mm-hmm. in order to, I guess, further themselves if that's why they came. Yeah. Um, and it's it's really nice, to be honest. I know some people um, probably dislike it. I've had uh, a conversation just recently with one of my mates. Um, they were at work and having a conversation over the phone of their mother mm-hmm. in the lunchroom, and it just one of the one of the other work colleagues wasn't um, having it, and you know were very um, somehow for some odd reason offended by the fact that they were speaking their language compared to everybody else in the room who had no you know no second thought about it because they thought it was all right, and yeah. to me that speaks more to their own racial profiling, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're offended by somebody else speaking their language, then you probably have to check yourself about why you feel so offended. Is it because you don't know what they're saying? You don't need to know, yeah. right? Like, I don't need to know what they're saying. It's just nice that they're talking. Yeah. And I think you get so much from just speaking the language, yeah. like in Samoan, there are certain things in Samoan that don't sound nice in English. Like they just certain jokes and certain things that you say in Samoan that just don't sound as funny and cool when you say it in English. But when you do it in Samoan, it's just so awesome. And then when everybody gets it, it's cool. And I love when people have that experience too. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And you people carrying their mother tongue outside of their country. Yeah. And in this country where they can call their own country now, yeah. that's even better. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I totally, totally agree with you, what you have just said, um, because I speak Fijian Hindi, right? So when, when we, there are some words and there are just some sounds that we make that you can never translate into English. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes I get into conversations with my friend where the tone are quite harsh or they're just very loud. Um, and while I understand that's like a tone that a lot of people who belong to mainstream um, population wouldn't like necessarily consider nice or soft or whatever that is. I, I think it, it it should be acceptable for people to be able to express themselves um, through their own languages, because again, like you said, you know, it takes 
quite a bit to take their language from the home that they come from, you know, their countries that they come from and call New Zealand their home. So it should be something that they are able to continue, um, you know, using um, regardless. I think for me, it just highlights the resilience that our people have, that they have carried everything that they have learned from home and brought it with them here. It just enriches the culture and the diversity um, that we can have here. Um, and for me, if someone questions that, um, that for me is about questioning the person who is questioning, why are you raising this question um, to begin with? Um, if Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's, that's my kind of, point of view my two cents to onto that <laughs> because yeah it, like linguistically like yeah. your language carries a lot like a lot of assumptions mm-hmm. and a lot of your culture and yeah. then embedded in that is the identity yeah. that you you have with your um with your culture and then also in, like further into that is not just the um the verbal communication but then there are the non-verbal parts of 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 communication that are also integrated within this language and so linguistically it's important that we also allow people to do that because there's this entire this entire development of behavior of cognition of um relationship all of this is in, is occurring within the time that you're just talking in your language. People ignore that because people are so, you know, are so inconsiderate and want to say, oh, but I want to know, you know, it's, you're offending me. But yeah. I'm like, it's not about you, you know, it's about others. And that's important to know that it's about other people and for people who get offended by that to recognize and again, change that and be a bit more happy when, you know, when you're in a place where other people are speaking the language because it's not because they're trying to offend you they're just trying to have a good time you know you're probably the last person on the list of their things to talk about and think about to be honest <laughs> and i agree with that okay we are we are left with only 30 minutes into the show we oh, have okay. six minutes and we have just talked about the personal level so we need to kind of speed it up <laughs> <laughs> but am i enjoying Damn, I am. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so moving on to the interpersonal level, when we start to have those interpersonal connections and um, conversations and also start to shift attitudes, I'd like to begin with asking, um, when have you unintentionally caused harm or offended someone? Mm. This is a good question. And I have an experience from the past with one with my best friend who yeah. I still carry to this day. Um, so I was in up in Auckland and we were studying for our finals and for psychology, mm-hmm. and an image appeared of a woman who had her pia, which is the Samoan no, not her pia, her manu, her Samoan tattoo mm-hmm. on her legs, and she showed it. Um, and in Samoa. It's important that you deal with um, the malu with grace. You don't show it unless it's in a space where it's appropriate. So in formal settings or if you're doing something cultural, um, then you can show it. But if you're walking around in shorts and you have a malu, that's probably frowned upon. Uh, And I grew up in, in, even though I grew up in Auckland, in a very urban 
place, my upbringing was quite traditional. And my understanding of it all came from that. And so I saw this image of my mate's auntie. And then I made a comment. I said, oh, that's a bit disrespectful. Why would she do that? And then... And then he goes, that's my auntie, honey. I didn't realize that you had such strong opinions about other people. Um, And I was really happy afterwards Mm -hmm. um, that my mate pulled me up on that because it taught me a lot, right? It taught me, one, our friendship was good. Mm -hmm. Like we had a good tight friendship for him to actually call me out. Two, I was a bit bigoted, you know, like narrow-minded thinking that, my opinion mattered right that my opinion mattered so much that I needed to voice it into her other people three my words can hurt others Mm -hmm. and four if you don't have anything positive to say don't say it just as like maybe afterwards discuss and express your opinion but there's no need to make direct comments Um, and I just took that away and thought far out what massive learnings and my mate was really good he had the grace to actually sit down with me and say hey you know I really you know I felt offended by what you said about my auntie because it's my auntie and I know that you have your opinions about it but you know we're in a different day and sometimes people express their identities in different ways and I also learned that too you know Mm -hmm. even though traditionally the malu is meant for those specific cultural settings sometimes in the modern age things will change and that's the importance of time and change you know you can you can get those traditionally important culturally relevant um, markings on your body and still have it within a modern day society um so yeah those are probably the biggest five learnings I got from that as well so yeah that's really good Shelley wow <laughs> I think I think it's really humble of you to you know openly say that and acknowledge it and to also highlight and still remember the learnings you take from you took from that um event yeah 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 yeah. um and I think one thing that you've highlighted is it's something that I've learned growing up and my mom has been a really strong advocate about it about Mm -hmm. this and I think it's one of the reason why for a very long time or while I still um find it really hard to figure out which person I've caused harm or offended. Mm-hmm. Um, my mum taught me that if I don't have something positive, constructive to say about something, I should keep my mouth shut <laughs> necessarily. Um, you know, it's always it's always good to reflect back. It's always good to um, have an opinion, but not on someone whom you, um, even, if, even if you know them, um, you know, unless they ask for it, don't necessarily think you're entitled to give any. Um, so that's one of the things like that I, um, I've learned, um, growing up, but even with that, you know, I've made the mistake of, um, assuming while I was in my young age of advocacy that I represent a whole population, because sometimes, you know, when, again, the narrative of like your voice matters comes from a very empowering position. Like a lot of people will tell you that, you know, your voice matters, get into the space, speak. Um, And I think it reflects the need that, yes, marginalized communities need voices um, to represent them and to speak about them. But at the same time, um, your voice represents what you've gone through or what mm. you have seen around you necessarily as not the ultimate voice for the whole marginalised um, population. So, again, you know, going through from my young 
age of advocacy to now that's something that I realized and whenever you know some people say that oh you're such a role model for our migrant community I go like no I'm I don't think I'm a role model. I just embody the values and beliefs and the experiences that I've gone through and I've seen um, play out in, in the surroundings that I have grown up in. So um, those are the couple of things that um, I kind of, I think, keep in mind before um, I make comments. Um, and one instance when I did that was, um, was quite, not that, long ago was um, a couple of years ago was when I um, was invited to talk about um, the Fijian Indian identity crisis going on Um, and while you know I was I think one of the reasons why um, I I realized this is because um, I was quite frustrated and angry that I didn't have a voice that I did we we didn't have an identity growing up Um, you know even though when you come from Fiji in Fiji nobody does not not acknowledge you as a Fijian um, you're just a human being there but when you get outside of the countries when you realize that people put you in categories and boxes and I was really really frustrated with that so when I went for like the advisory um, I told my opinion and I said this is what we want but in real in real talk it was what I thought that we wanted not what necessarily the whole population wanted of Fijian Indian community in New Zealand so um, yeah that's one thing that I I'm pretty sure that I have not necessarily caused harm, but unintentionally um, undermined a whole population. Mm. And that's great feelings that you pulled away from that, you know, knowing that there are limitations to what we do um, and that we must disclose that we speak to what we can and what we know. Yeah, yeah, that's really important, especially for anyone in in a professional program or any other program that you're part of is to know our boundaries where we can speak and when at times we have to say okay this is where I've pushed it like I've pushed it enough but I need support now Um, and I think that's really important and going back to what you said about your mother um, and you being a role model too definitely I think what you've just explained to me is servant leadership right you know you serve you may not think you are a leader but other people do because of the actions that you 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 the behaviors that you action every day the way you carry yourself your values your beliefs and when other people feel that it can see that you embody that in your everyday life they begin to identify with you and want to follow you so I like you know I wouldn't I wouldn't say you're not a role model you definitely are you just embody it in a way where people want to see it as a servant because you're ser- you're you're serving you're leading through serving which i think is such a specific thing to be honest wow again another new perspective that i probably wouldn't have thought about <laughs> but thank you so much for saying that sarah um let's let's move on just because i'm conscious of time and i want to get the best out of you while i have you um <laughs> another question that I have on the table is what is the difference between racism and discrimination? I think there's a clear difference between racism and discrimination, right? Still a lot um, of people are scared to talk about this. Yeah. And <laughs> it's so sad that people want to shy away from it because it's a topic that we should be open to talking about. Yeah. Um, and the and I can see why, because the issue when you start engaging, and especially when you're brown, 
Mm-hmm. And especially when you're a Pacific brown woman, you look like the angry brown lady in the room. Um, that's probably why people want, don't want to talk about it. But at one point, we have to say, well, if you can, if, if you need somebody to speak on it, then why not? You yeah. know, we need to break that barrier and actually create a space where people can dialogue. So, you know, racism is this entire system created by white people. And that's essentially what's going on, colonization. And where did colonization come from? The British, right? And they created this entire system whereby there's a difference. Labels created between whites and browns, whites and blacks, whites and Asians, whites and others, in order to reinforce the superiority that they have. And then now it's created this racial profiling that we have of specific communities, because once you create that difference, then everybody begins to stereotype and have biases about that specific community, justifying why that different that difference exists. And then it persists throughout our minds, and then we continue to action it throughout our everyday life. And that's why it's so difficult to unpack, because once people internalize it and have a belief and attitude about it, they go out and work they go out and interact with people and then they mesh it into every single part of society. And then suddenly your institutions are paved with it. Your policies are, have racism employed in it. Your law has racism in it, but people don't, people do realize, but are a bit bigoted to it because they yeah. don't recognize what's going on, that they're just subconsciously including all these racial racial thoughts and the way that they're writing things and the way that they're talking about it. Discrimination, on the other hand, is the outright um, unjust act towards another person because of a specific identity that they have. And that can be in an institutional way or even in a hostile way and non-hostile. So that's my understanding of the difference between racism and discrimination. I think you've quite beautifully explained and I think even for me like even being in the sector and like working with young people I still struggle with um, differentiating between the both it's because of the reason that you're part of that system that caters you to believe that racism and um, discrimination they are pretty much the same thing um, you know and you're thinking too much about it kind of narrative um, so thank you for highlighting that for me um, and again I would like to reinforce like that there is this bias that we have towards racism um, that especially our mainstream people have towards the racism and it's created by them as well because it's been carried by them and and we live in a post-colonial um, era right now where we see the effects playing out with our marginalized communities um, with how they are being oppressed by the systems um, that was created back while colonization was happening. So it's quite important. Um, and I absolutely love the way that you highlighted it. Um, I guess you've already talked about this, but um, with that question of the difference between racism and discrimination, there was this question about what's the difference between prejudice and bias. Do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I guess it's almost a similar thing, right? The prejudice is the internalization that you have of a different group. Um, And it's something that you can't really, sometimes you don't even notice that you're doing. And then a bias is just a cognition, like, the bias is essentially how you have been programmed to think about that group. 
you've been primed in a specific way. Um, but one thing I do want to talk about, though, is this term post-colonial. And I think this is one of the things that people not that we need to remember, right? That colonization is not in a post in a post time at the moment. We are still colonized. Like colonization is um an ongoing process because racism has its forms. You know, it comes in a colonizing form and then it ends up in an interpersonally mediated form, and then you internalize it. So it's internally, you internalize it, and then you go through this constant cycle of carrying that. And so I think when we say post-colonial sometimes, it's we excuse the fact that we are still being colonized. There are a lot of colonization that we still go through, and we need to continuously unpack and talk about and discuss. So I personally use the term post-settlement because we're in a post-settlement time because the set, like all the settlers were now, you know, in a different time where we have a variety of people who are here. But it's still colonial because the things that they've done in the past still impact the current system, and we are all going through it together and trying to fight against it. Um, and that's what creates this entire like prejudice and bias towards specific groups. I have a prejudice right now about certain things, but the bias will come up when I'm making a decision or when I'm talking to them or when I'm trying to think about them and interact with them, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, those things will begin to manifest in my interactions. And that's really important when we're thinking about the interactions that we have. And I know that I have specific prejudices and biases that I will encounter as I go along and I need to unpack about certain things. Because um, it's not to say we, because I'm a person of Pacific background that I'm I'm somehow isolated from it because I'm a minority in quotation marks, but that's not right because we all experience it. It's a human experience actually, but some people just, you know, go with what the system says and don't really think about it too much. <laughs> right <laughs> um yeah i don't actually have anything and thank you for pointing out and thank you for that corridor about post-colonialism um yeah thank you for that and i should probably go do a little bit more research about it as well like it's awesome to have spaces like this where we can corridor about st stuff like this in a safe way yeah, yeah definitely definitely and for me, I think when I talk about post-colonial, um, I think also with a lot of research papers that we see in politics um, and in Pacific Island study, the term post-colonial is about the repercussions or the effects that colonization of our um, of the generations before ha us has left um, the impact on us. And you're quite right there that we're still being colonized by the system while we while we are also suffering from what our ancestors have gone through, that trauma, the um, hurt caused to them, we carry that still. And I think that's that's what the idea about post-colonialism, but you're right, we, are being, we as individuals are still being colonized. So thank you for pointing that out for me and thank you for that quote at all. Um, <laughs> so I actually had another question, but I'm going to skip through this just because we only have 12 minutes. Um, and uh, we're going to get into integrating cohesion. And this is where we talk about um, how 
Or how does an ideal Aotearoa look like for you? Or how do you want things to play out on a societal level? Um, and this is about integrating cohesion. So um, if you could change one thing in your community, what would it be? This is a really fascinating question because my, like my, um, my opinion is I can't change. Like I don't, I can only think about things that I might want to change but that's not, that's my own opinion, right? I can't change that because changing things for people against their own world is unethical. Mm. Um, but if there was something that I that I could tweak a bit is our, is like our relationship with religion and how it conflates with people's spirituality and then how also that impacts people's abilities to express themselves in a gender diverse way um in a and in other parts of their life enjoying life as youth like you know how does religion impact your experience as a as as a young person mm-hmm. it impacts your experience as a person trying to navigate this gender versus sex identity even your sexuality mm-hmm. that's that, that's impacted by religion your choices that's all impacted by that um and within my time spent up in Auckland um, and being around churches, there's it's a it's a it's a beautiful thing because you have a community, right, where you can um, where you can come together and form this family, a church family. However, sometimes the basis of that is a like the base or the basis of the teachings is a bit off. Um, it removes the liberation that people can have to express themselves and um, to show commitment to the church because there's this conflation, like they they just mix things up and take a lot of things um, literally. And that's because, again, religion is infiltrated by colonization. So colonization in itself is what's overarching this entire religious system. And now we are playing into it. And what we should be doing is making it our own, but we're not really because all we're doing is just carrying on this this religious belief, which are all heteronormative, um, very gender normative, um, quite reductive or deductive in nature. And so, you know, people begin to feel isolated and ostracized because they don't fit in. And so their spirituality, because we think that religion sometimes is, um, is together with our spiritualness, but it's not. Um, your spirituality is a separate part of you where you feel whole, like you feel your soul um, filled because of your level of connectivity with people. Um, and I just think, you know, if we if we could just understand where religion really came from and what we're really doing, then probably we wouldn't have so many kids who are, I guess, fa'afafine, akava'ine, takatapui, of the variety of backgrounds that we have in terms of gender fluidity and also young people who are going through stuff, who are turning to alcohol, who are smoking, who are turning to drugs. Maybe they wouldn't have such a difficult time dealing with that if we were slightly more open to it because we realize that this, that religion that we work within is actually a white man's thing to control to control people. 
Yeah. And perhaps if we were just slightly more critical about it, we could change our practices and our relationship within our understanding. We would be slightly more open to people to coming in wholly and experiencing religion and spirituality in a way that was safe and uplifting. Yeah. So. Wow, that's so beautiful. Um, and it's quite true. And I would like to talk a little bit about my religion. Um, I, I follow Hinduism and um, just talking, just talking about having that gender fluidity, having that sexual fluidity is something that's quite, um, quite an important part of my religion. You know, um, someone who, who belongs to the third gender narrative is considered, um, is considered of, of a high regard because we consider them complete of both men and women. So a little bit superior um, in the regard in our religion. But over time, and again, because of colonization that has happened, you see that that's not acceptable anymore. You know, hijra, um, ginna, these are the two terms that we normally use to describe people who belong to the third gender. We invite these people to our home to, um, if any auspicious thing is about to happen if someone's about to have a baby we invite these people to come and give us blessing mm-hmm. but if a kinner or a hijra is born in your own community or in your own family then it's unacceptable then you kick them out mm-hmm. so that you know that while while people acknowledge that it's a part of our it's part of our religion they're also scared of how society will perceive of them yeah and that comes down to colonization right because uh, you know, we began accepting, we began knowing that you had a place in society. And then suddenly, like, religion comes in, um, Christianity comes in, and all of a sudden, you're ousted, you're no longer included, You your practices uh, are frowned upon. And yeah. so you should never, ever do that. And then everybody, because we all Group, this is how groups work, right? Once somebody establishes something, everybody buys into it and then they create the social pressure on you and so you feel like changing. Um, that's how the group survives. But sometimes that survival that survival mechanism that groups have doesn't necessarily work well for the wellness of a lot of people. Um, and so it's important that we recognise that yeah. Yeah. and do something about it. Right. <laughs> um, okay. We have just one last question that I really want your opinion on because you're amazing. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then we're going to finish off with a good quote. We have we had just had five minutes, so we're okay. running under the bus. Um, what is social cohesion? Yeah, it's a good question. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, social cohesion can be interpreted as a variety of things, right? Community, um, togetherness, gathering, cooperation camaraderie like you know you can describe it in a variety of ways but social cohesion in itself is from what I think is the ability for people to come together and band together for the fact that we are human and not see that we have color like of course we'll see that we are we are different color but not think that that's going to prevent us from being able to come together and work together. And to me, that's what true social cohesion is, is that we can come together and band together and enjoy times with each other, work with each other, support each other, regardless of our background. Yeah. yeah, And sometimes, you know, that must mean that you leave your home out of the goodness of like a 
out of your comfort zone. But because what you're doing is supporting another person, what you're doing is going out of your way to help others. And to me, like, if you can do that and, like, we can all be there at times for other people, then we'll achieve what social cohesion is. Um, and know that what you're doing is for the benefit of others and not just for yourself. <laughs> I think what do you think of social cohesion is the right way to think about social cohesion, if that makes sense. <laughs> uh, yes, because it's about how do you coexist? How do you co-create how do you co-support you know the whole idea of the togetherness of coming together of integrating of celebrating you know each other so you're you're absolutely right um and if if you're just to highlight ministry of um ethnic communities recently have launched their themselves as ministry and they're no longer office so they're on a bigger scale and one of the issues or one of the themes that they're highlighting this year or for at least the next quarter is social cohesion. How do we bridge? How do we bridge, you know, different opinions together? How do we co-create, co-exist? And, and so is um, um, Ministry of Social Development. So these the theme of social cohesion is becoming recognized in our um, government sector. Um, so, yeah, just having a yarn about it um, helps to see where you are doing individually and how that would fit in with the government agencies as well. And I think it's really important to have a call at all about social cohesion in general as well. So um, that brings us towards the end of the episode. This went so fast and I say this in all my episodes and while it's true, I think with you, I'm probably going to ask you to come do a part two segment with me. <laughs> just because just because I think there's so much to still unpack with you and you're a um you're a pot of knowledge. Um uh what's what's the what's where did Jean come from in Aladdin? The lamp? Yeah, you're that thing. You're that thing. <laughs> That's so bad. Her nation <laughs> <laughs> intentions right yeah I made you laugh okay so <laughs> thank you so much for sharing that with me and like I said I may have another segment with you because you are a pot of knowledge for me and I just can't wait to see what's what's more in the pot for me to see and unpack from your side um we have this ritual of saying a quote we are just running like one minute to the finishing of the show do you have a quote for us no I don't have any quotes to be honest that's totally Um, fine um because you yourself are a quote I believe (laughs) the efficiency (laughs) of quotes um so thank you so much for joining in with me today thank you for um having a quote at all with me today I tell you 100% guarantee I have learned so much today and I am utterly grateful um to know you to um you know coexist with you to co-support you um and yeah thank you thank you for joining in the feeling is mutual babe oh I had a great time (laughs) That's so fun. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, thank you, everyone. Thank you so much for listening in. Um, I hope you stay well. You're taking care of yourself. Um, keep warm. Stay safe. And I'll see you when I see you in the next episode. Bye. Bye. <laughs>
You were listening to Hear Us Say with Renisha at Otago Access Radio at 105.4 FM Dunedin. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.